A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Thanks, Luke. Aww. <laughs> Look at Luke's little curl. It's so cute. <laughs> it is really cute. No, leave it. I like it. No, it's really good. Luke. We like it. We love your curl. <laughs> uh, we're, getting... we're recording. Oh, okay. So whenever you guys are ready, feel free to go. I'm ready. Okay. Hi, welcome to Hollywood Crime Scene. This is Rachel Fisher. Hi, I'm Desi Jadikin. Well, we are recording live in New York City at Ad Week, and we are recording in a situation <laughs> unlike uh, none we've ever done before. Right, we're in a glass truck. We're, we're, we're on a, display we, like a couple of animals. <laughs> and both of us wore mini skirts, so I'm currently trying to be modest and covering myself up with a sweater. We're keeping our knees together. Right. We would be very proud. The, I mean, this is, this is not a show for children. <laughs> So if your children are walking by, please cover their ears. Hurry up. Okay, get the scroll the stroller on like high gear. Now I'm happy past. I now I'm happy I picked such a boring person to do an episode on. Okay, well that's exciting, Rachel. Everyone <laughs> must be thrilled to hear that. <laughs> well, by boring I mean, you know, he didn't like fuck a bunch of people and then kill them. Okay. That's well. <laughs> boring for our standards, I guess. So let's get started. Okay. Well, we are talking about legendary Hollywood director and producer Thomas Ince. Now, uh, if this is a name you're not familiar with, that's okay, because he died in 1924. So he is like the early days of Hollywood. Right. Old, 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 old school Hollywood. Thomas was born November 16th. 1880 in Newport, Rhode Island. And I'm just going to give a shout out to uh, the main, my main source for this episode, which is a book about Thomas Ince. Sorry, I'm loading it on my Kindle. I'm, I'm not going to try to be slick. <laughs> <laughs> it's called... <laughs> in, you know what? <laughs> it's called Thomas Ince, Hollywood's Independent Pioneer, and it is by Brian Taves. Uh, Brian is actually a historian, and he. This is a very, very thorough book about this man's life. So, if if you're interested in, like, the silent film era of cinema, I I would recommend reading this book because it, it just it's chock full of information. Okay, back to Thomas. He uh, his parents were John and Emma. They emigrated to the states from England before Thomas was born, and they were both character actors. Now, Thomas had two brothers, Ralph and John Jr. From an early age, Thomas followed in his parents' footsteps. At six, he began acting, appearing alongside his parents and brothers in vaudeville shows. I mean, if it was vaudeville, you know this is a long time ago, Desi. (laughs) In Manhattan, Thomas Ince took to the stage and found a bit of success as an actor. He had a pretty long run working as a stage actor, though he would occasionally have to work jobs in between gigs, you know, just like a lot of actors. Uh, He worked at a hotel at one point, and he also taught acting classes. In the early 1900s, he formed his own traveling theater company, The Instramatic Stock, but they didn't last very long. That same year, in 1907, Thomas met and fell in love with Eleanor Nell Kershaw. Now, Nell and her sister, Willette, were both stage actresses, and Willette warned Nell, 
you stay away from those ints boys. Everyone knows about the ints boys. What? <laughs> I, the author didn't elaborate, which I didn't appreciate. Like, right. We were just talking about yesterday how like men, well, at least like straight men, never get good gossip. Right. They never get good details. Like, I want the important information. Yeah. Like, like, was he trying to get in girls' pantaloons? <laughs> right. Like, seriously, get under all those corsets. Yeah. And bells and whistle- whistles, whatever they're wearing under there. The bustle. The bustle, right. Right. So. What were they do- what, what kind of underwear was going on in the Edwardian era? Was yeah. it bustles? I'm not aware. I'm guessing bustles. But that's not even underwear. No. Okay. That's like, well, that like goes on over the underwear and then like over the dress maybe. Yeah. I don't okay. know. So they're bad boys. They're, they allegedly, they were bad boys, but I don't really believe it. I think, I think that. Yeah. Bad boys in that era is probably like touching an ankle. Right. It's not like cream pie and girl or something. <laughs> Sorry. So, so Willette was like, you stay away from those ins boys. They got a reputation in the theater world. They're, they're the bad boys of the vaudeville circuit, <laughs> sis. But Nell and Thomas Ince got married a few months later. So she really showed her. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I think that's like, that's like the ultimate way to stick it to your family member. And they're like, you stay away from them. It's like, oh, yeah, well, I'm going to fucking get married. Yeah. Although that year, um, oh, sorry. Also that year, Thomas Ince wrote a one-act comedy called It's a Shame to Take the Money. And the following year, he toured his sketch show, Wise Mike. By 2010, 2010, I'm sorry. That should say 1910. (laughs) I'm sorry. Embarrassing. (laughs) By 1910, Thomas Ince had been touring as an actor. And when he returned back to New York, he was pretty broke. Now, Nell had just given birth to their son, and Thomas was on the hunt for a job. Thomas had lunch with his friend, actor Joseph Smiley, who told him that he had been working as an assistant director at the independent motion picture company. Now, Thomas had always scoffed at the notion at, at like doing motion pictures. He's like, motion pictures? That shit's, that yeah. shit's below me. I do... Th- I do um, I am theater. A, I'm a theater actor, and this m- motion picture business yeah. is just a fad. It's low class. It's low brow. I'm not going to get involved with that. But he's broke, and his poor wife is probably like, you go out there, and you get a fucking job. I've supported you in your fucking acting, our whole relationship. Yeah. Classic scenario. The classic scenario. Take care of your kid, Just bitch. take care of your goddamn kid. I don't care if you have to do a motion picture that's so beneath <laughs> you. So Thomas decided to go with Joseph Smiley to the studio to go check out what this whole motion picture business was all about. Now, um, uh, they went to the studio, which was IMP Studios, and Thomas was in awe of the production. Now, this was something that he felt like he could really be a part of. And he was just hired on the spot, basically, to help with the rest of production. Now, this, like, really, if you're going to take away anything from the career of, like, Thomas Ince, is, like, he just, like, constantly fell up. (laughs) Like, he just, like, got into these situations where he was just, like, oh, like, like he just, he had, like, a horseshoe up his ass. White men gonna white men. That's how it works. I mean, yeah, like... Whatever. No, no offense to any white men watching. <laughs> <laughs> but it's also really hard to judge like this guy's talent or anything because it's like, look, all silent movies are kind of look the same to me. Yeah. Like they're it's all not like my favorite genre. All, <laughs> <laughs> and like I tried to watch some on YouTube and I was like, this is boring. Yeah. 
I'm sorry. I'm not. I'm not like trying to. I'm gonna be honest with you. I'm not gonna try to be cool and be like, oh, it's like. Yeah, any this. silent film stands out there right now can stomp off and anchor. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I did watch one of his, a couple of his. Um, okay, so he's hired to finish out the rest of this film. Meanwhile, Nell, his wife, was acting in a comedy film of her own at a different production company. The director of that film hired Thomas to act in the 1910 film His New Lid. Is that like a baseball cap? (laughs) It's like about a guy who loses his hat and some other guy picks it up and then the hat like gets missed goes missing in the ocean and then the wife of the guy who owns the hat sees the hat like floating in the water and thinks her husband is dead. So you're saying you don't like silent films when you're telling me a story like that existed? (laughs) I needed to know well the (laughs) look it's very morbid I think it's a comedy Um, I did watch Thomas Ince's film starring oh my god what's her name Mary Pickford Mm -hmm. and that was uh about this guy who's like a total drunk and mm-hmm. then he has a dream that his wife is actually a drunk so he reforms and he's not he doesn't drink as much anymore because he sees how shitty it is wow it's a moral play like yeah but he can't just listen to his wife about not being a drunk like yeah. he has to he like he has to come to it like it, it was his idea exactly classic man right classic man okay so back to uh, his new lid or just that that's the movie he was working on okay <laughs> <laughs> The film that Thomas Inside worked on at IMP was a success, and he was hired as the company's executive. Tom Cochran, um, oh, he, I'm sorry, he was hired by the film's company, by the film company's executive, Tom Cochran, to direct his first film. Like I said before, he's just falling up. Now he's like, he gets to be like the main director for the studio. And this movie was called Little Nell's Tobacco. The head of IMP, Carl Lemley, agreed to take on Thomas as their permanent director. In 1911, Thomas directed Mary Pickford and her husband, Owen Moore, in The Dream. That was the one I was just telling you about. Okay. Okay. Thomas was sent to Cuba with Mary Pickford and Owen Moore to direct a series of films, but after a year with IMP, Thomas quit. He had his sights set on California. The New York motion picture... Corporation had recently opened studios out in Los Angeles, and Thomas wanted to work for them. Concerned that the studio heads would think that he was too young and inexperienced, Thomas walked into the interview with a new mustache he had just grown out and a diamond ring that he had borrowed to impress his hopeful employers. He, like, really, he, like, literally tried to do a mustache disguise to appear older and more sophisticated. That's very effective. It worked. They were yeah. like, they were so impressed by this guy's, th- like he wore like this gaudy diamond ring and they were really impressed by that. Wow. So, okay. I guess. Um, all right. Now during this interview, he would prop up his hand on his chin in like a thoughtful pose, but he was just trying to show off the diamond. Oh, wow. Yeah. But it worked. And he was offered a hundred dollars a week salary for the position, which was, trust me, was a lot of money in 1910. And even though he was currently only making 60, Thomas said, yes, you know, I'll, I'll have to think about it. Let me just think about that right. offer that's a little low. Um, he wanted them to think he was really important. Well, that worked also, so they hired him at 150 Jesus. a week. I'm I telling you. I could scam you. these guys so easily. I know. I wish I could go back in time. It must have been uh-huh. so much easier to scam in the movie business, <laughs> like when everything was so rudimentary. Yeah. Jealous. 
He signed a three-month contract with the studio. Meanwhile, the move to California was pretty expensive, and Thomas's wife, Nell, had to pawn her own diamond ring just to afford the first month's rent at their new home in Hollywood. The studio was located in what's known as Echo Park today and was converted from an old barn and feed store. The house across the street is where the equipment was stored at an outdoor stage. Um, an outdoor stage was also assembled, and this is a quote from Thomas Ince about what this studio in Echo Park looked like. The sets consisted of a few pieces of very bad furniture and one backdrop with a flock of birds supposedly in flight. The furniture was bad enough, but when I thought of but when I thought of stationary birds poised in midair as the backdrop for a moving picture, I gave way to a moment of discouragement. In 1912, Thomas Ince bought 460 acres in the Santa Monica Mountains to build his new studio to shoot his films at, which were largely westerns. There were a lot of western right. silent films being shot at this time. The location provided the perfect backdrop. The New York Motion Picture Studio allowed Thomas to rent an additional 18,000 acres of land, which would become known as Inceville. And I looked up a map of Inceville, and this is like, this is like a lot of, like a lot to work with. I mean, this is like <laughs> yeah. a sprawling area for going from like Thousand Oaks down to like Santa Monica. Right. Of just like... Western Western sets. Western sets. <laughs> The whole site began undergoing a massive construction for what would become a much more elaborate filming process than before. Ince hired this entire Wild West show from Oklahoma called the 101 Ranch and Wild West Show, which included hundreds of cowboys and cowgirls, 200 Sioux Indians, and hundreds of animals like horses and cattle and bison. And they all lived at Inceville. So this was like, just like, a huge like studio like movie set and also a home for all these people coming in from Oklahoma Thomas's films went from one reel to two reels I'm not even going to pretend I know what that means but that was like a big deal wow yeah so you said to two reels (laughs) at one point they went to five reels Desi I read that in the book (laughs) they were much longer and more complex Uh, This is a quote from uh, Brian Taves' book. The influence of Innsville on his work was widely recognized. In 1915, Photoplay noted that it gave Inns pictures, quote, a large, iron-muscled masculinity. Inns' stories are men's stories uh, preeminently. They are stories of conflict, broader than the strife of arms. He directs soul fights, though almost all of them are tales of the soil. They are never sorted. Tales of soiling? Yeah. (laughs) Yes. In 2000... I'm sorry. Why do I keep saying that? In 1912, two of Thomas Ince's most notable films made were Custer's Last Fight and The War on the Plains. By this time, Thomas Ince was not only a writer and director, he was also a producer. And he was, like, really the first guy in Hollywood to, like, shape the role of film producer. He was, like, the first, like, film magnet. He did it all. He was... Yes. He was a jack of all trades. And by 1913, Thomas had become a producer full-time, hiring different writers and directors to work for him, including William Desmond Taylor, who we have done an episode on, Mm -hmm. one of our very early episodes. Thomas Ince went on to become the first film industry mogul. 
By 1916, Innsville had been devastated by several brush fires. Thomas, and, Thomas himself had been burned in one of them, and he would end up selling Innsville and moving his productions to Culver City, which is where he partnered with Max Sennett and D.W. Griffith to create the Triangle Motion Picture Company. And in 1919 came the beginning of In Studios, which existed until 1924. By this time, Thomas's star was fading. He was no longer the most powerful producer in Hollywood, but like he still had a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about at the end about the 2001 movie, The Cat's Meow. Okay. Um, starring Kirsten Dunst and Carrie Elwes. Uh, Carrie plays the Thomas, like plays Thomas Ince in the movie, and basically like the way they portray him in that movie is that he's just like down and out guy right. like desperate for work but that really wasn't the case mm-hmm. at all that movie was wildly inaccurate to what actually happened but I did watch the trailer of it last night and it does look really fun okay and I think Carrie Elwes is super hot yeah I mean that's the most important like I've had a, <laughs> I've literally had a crush on him since I went to the movie theater in 1993 and saw Robin Hood Men in Tights which by the way is one of the best comedy films ever made please don't at me <laughs> sorry <laughs> everyone on this New York City corner just heard me say that um so uh 1919 came the beginning of in studios which existed until 1924 uh, i said that william randolph Hearst. <laughs> i was like what <laughs> okay william randolph Hearst connected with thomas ince while they were negotiating a deal to use in studios now at this time Hearst was the head of cosmopolitan pictures which was his own production company that he formed after he was snubbed by United Artists when he tried to break into the film industry. So, I mean, what better way for a tycoon to break in than to just buy his own company, to make his own, right. basically. Um, Cosmopolitan Pictures' biggest star was Marion Davies, who was an actress who Hearst was also having an affair with. And Cosmopolitan, they like ran so many ads in... Like they just all ran ads all the time in Hearst papers that heavily promoted Marion Davies. Right. Like that was he was trying to make his girlfriend a star, basically. Yeah. yeah. And she was cute and she was actually pretty talented in her own right, but she definitely got a reputation for being like this like reality star hanger on her, like ho. gold digger hoe. Yeah. Which like there's nothing wrong with that. I admire it. I admire it too. I can't I've never been able to achieve that kind of success. No. But <laughs> I admire anyone who can, honestly. So Hearst invited Thomas to join him on his yacht, the Oneida, which was a giant steam yacht. And I looked at pictures of it. This thing was fucking huge. Like, this is not... I mean... And it's like a steam yacht, too. So that's like... what I don't know what a steam yacht is. It has like the it big like steam. steam. Yes, Desi. But it has like the big <laughs> column that like Why shoots steam. Why are you steam. stroking? <laughs> you do uh, Yeah. Okay, look. It's a really big boat. Okay, got okay? it. This is like worse than when we try to explain guns. Like exactly. types of guns. Yeah. And then we get like an email like, excuse, uh, excuse me. me. AR doesn't stand for assault rifle. <laughs> <laughs> so... So Hearst invites him on this big steam yacht to finalize their collaboration plans, but also it just happens to be Thomas's 44th birthday, and he's like, perfect, we'll throw you a party on my steam yacht. Now, Thomas had to stay behind the day that everybody uh, on the yacht party left the San Pedro Harbor, so he told them that he would just take the train down the next day to San Diego, which was like the yacht's next stop. Okay. Um, It was like a weekend jaunt to San Diego. Uh, so on Sunday, November 16th, 1924, 
Thomas took the train down to San Diego where the Oneida was docked and he gets on to the boat. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. I've had a really stressful year with work and family stuff, and I know I'm not alone when I say I tend to push that stress down in order to get what I need done, done, and that only makes things worse. We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. In the past, therapy has helped me navigate many situations from helping me to set boundaries to just becoming the best version of myself. If you are thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. I love that it's entirely online, so it's convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com HCS today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash H-C-S. I'm the queen of starting a free trial offer and forgetting to cancel it, oftentimes being charged for months for something I'm not even using. If I asked you how many subscriptions you have, would you be able to list all of them and how much you're paying? If you would have asked me this question before I started using Rocket Money, I would have said yes, but let me tell you, I would have been so wrong. I can't believe how many I had and all the money I was wasting. With Rocket Money, I can see all of my subscriptions in one place, and if I see something I don't want, I can cancel it with a tap. I never have to get on the phone with customer service. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple of months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill, and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. It's definitely saved me money and now I can use that money to waste on things I do want. So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Hollywood Crime Scene. That's rocketmoney.com slash Hollywood Crime Scene. Now, aboard the yacht were Will- William Randolph Hearst, Marion Davies, Charlie Chaplin, various silent film actresses, including Aileen Pringle, Cena Owen, and Jacqueline Logan. There was a ballet dancer on board named Theodore Kozloff. Author Eleanor Glynn was there, as well as Dr. Daniel Carson Goodman. Now, Dr. Dr. Goodman is like... He was a physician, like a licensed physician, but he was also a screenwriter and the production manager for Hearst. Quite a combo. Which is like, that is like the most embarrassingly Hollywood thing I've ever heard of. It's like, yes, I'm a doctor, but I'm also a screenwriter. Yeah, it's very classic. Yeah. 
embarrassing thing to say. It's a really embarrassing. <laughs> I feel like like even though technically that's like impressive, that's also super embarrassing. Right. So this is quite an orgy going on in this yacht. Yes. It's definitely like a Hollywood circle jerk, to say the least. Now, that night, Thomas and the guests of William Hurst celebrated his birthday dinner aboard the yacht with lots and lots of bootleg booze. This was the Prohibition era. According to Gretel Urban, who was a costume designer who was also there that night, she said that the evening was, quote, pleasant and relaxed, the food, the drink, the best, the sea smooth and the night balmy. We sat on board until midnight and then we all went to bed. Now, what happened next would go on to become old Hollywood lore. This would become a tale of murder enacted during a jealous rage that was propagated heavily by Kenneth Onger's Hollywood Babylon book. And it's sort of just this story about what happened next became gospel, basically. Now, um, the story is that William Hurst caught Charlie Chaplin and Marion Davies on the yacht fucking... And Marion started screaming, which sent the other guests running to see what the commotion was. <laughs> now, Hurst then ran off to get a gun, and when he came back, he mistook Thomas Ince for Charlie Chaplin and shot him in the head. Why was she screaming? From the sex? Or was she... <laughs> I think she was screaming because her boyfriend just caught her having sex with oh, Charlie Chaplin. Okay. So it wasn't, like, during the sex. I, I was, Could like, be. trying to decide which one I'd rather have sex with, Charlie Chaplin or William Randolph Hearst. And I don't think... You've got to pick Charlie Chaplin. You have to. Be- I don't feel like that's, a, that's, like, a hard choice at all. I wouldn't want to sleep with either of them, but I definitely did not was not interested in fucking William Randolph Hearst. No. I looked at and him. And Charlie Chaplin can leave his little hat on. He could be really? fun. <laughs> <laughs> he can bring his cane. There's lots that can happen. Personally, I'm triggered by the mustache <laughs> as a Jewish American. Big <laughs> shave. Okay. Um, okay, so now Thomas Ince... Uh, okay, sorry, where was I? All right, so yeah, this this story, basically, this is like what became gospel, especially after it was published in Kenneth Onger's Hollywood Babylon. Um, another rumor was that Thomas was accidentally poisoned in a drink that was meant for Charlie Chaplin. But Everyone's Tom- trying to kill Charlie Chaplin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, Thomas Ince was not actually murdered, nor was his death particularly mysterious, if you actually just look at the facts surrounding um. this. Um, although, according to several people on Reddit, that is, this is a very mysterious death. Okay. Well, Reddit, I mean. <laughs> Look, I like Reddit for 90 Day Fiance. Yeah. And reading shit about Food Network personalities. Yeah. Yeah. I do enjoy Reddit. Okay. Um, but there were lots of people who were like, this is, this is a conspiracy. Okay. So let's discuss it. Let's okay. see if it is. Okay. Now, uh, uh, also, the book pointed out that the body types of Charlie Chaplin and Thomas Ince were so different that it would be really hard to mistake one for the other. Like, Thomas Ince was considerably a bigger man than Charlie Chaplin. Well, if you're drunk, you can make a lot of mistakes. <laughs> I mean, that's what I thought. That's what I thought, too. I mean, like, everyone kind of had, like, the same hairstyle back in the day. Yeah. So that's like their big thing that's saying that that's an impossible mistake to make. Yes. Like the, the body size difference. The body size uh-huh. difference. Um, Charlie Chaplin and William Hurst also remained friends for years after Thomas's death. Okay. But we see rich people being friends with all sorts of like 
people for weird reasons. Right, like people are friends with Jeffrey Epstein. <laughs> Long after they knew he was a child fucker. I mean, <laughs> that's true. Okay. So um, the official cause, um, yeah, the official cause of death is less scandalous than a bullet to the head. Like we're talking about like what was like written by like a medical, the examiner. medical examiner basically. Now on the night of the party, Thomas Inns had suffered some bad indigestion. This is like the tr- story. This is like the official oh. story. Okay. He got really sick. Uh, apparently from some almonds. Ugh. You, that's like that's like your worst nightmare is the handful of almonds. I don't like when people say they can fill their hunger needs by a handful of almonds. It's a lie. It's a lie. It's a fucking lie. Yeah. So he got he had some almonds. He he got sick from eating a handful of almonds and he had some champagne. Um, now Gretel Urban's mother Mary who was also on board, she said that in the middle of the night she heard moaning coming from Thomas Ince's cabin. <laughs> <Sorry. laughs> You're going to tell me that he died from diarrhea or something? No, okay. but maybe. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> okay, keep going. So he was like on the I don't know what kind of toilet situation they had. On the boat? On the boat. The steam yacht? But he was moaning with diarrhea from eating almonds. And is that what they thought the sex sounds were? Or is that how... (laughs) (laughs) No, that's trying to make sense of things. Okay. Okay. But Gretel hears moaning, and then she said that Thomas was violently vomiting. Wow. Like, she could hear him, like... Yeah, and I understand what violently vomiting sounds like, Rachel. It sounds a lot more violent than what I just did. Okay. Now, Thomas had reportedly suffered from ulcers and had been directed not to consume certain things, specifically almonds or champagne, which I feel like (laughs) is really specific. That's very specific, and then he really just was like, fuck you. I, I can't live without my almonds and champagne combo. Like, it's my birthday. Yeah, it's my Let birthday. Let me have it. I'm I don't, living it up. I feel like almonds would be like, it's not like they were like, stay away from like, you know. Rich foods. Yeah, stay away from like goulash or whatever. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> I was like, okay, Rachel. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> okay. Now, during the night, Thomas claimed that he was feeling ill and fatigued, and the next morning, he left the yacht via water taxi, and the doctor who was on board, Dr. Goodman, decided that he better accompany Thomas with him to the train station so he could monitor him and, like, you know, help him get back home. Now, aboard the train, Dr. Goodman noticed that Thomas Ince's condition was worsening and that he was showing signs of a heart attack. So suddenly, this was not just indigestion anymore. So they departed the train in Del Mar to go stay at a hotel and get medical attention from a doctor. Thomas called his wife, Nell, and his oldest son, William, to come down to Del Mar with his personal physician, Dr. Glasgow, to be at his side. Thomas told the doctors that he had drunk a lot of alcohol, and he figured that that was the reason that he was feeling so sick. I mean, that's like a pretty reasonable conclusion to come to. The doctors agreed that this was probably the case. Thomas Ince, his wife, his son, and his physician all returned back to Los Angeles via train, where his condition continued to worsen, and then he died just three days after the party on November 19, 1924. Dr. Glasgow reported on the death certificate that heart failure was, heart failure was the official cause of death. Allegedly, the LA Times printed a headline the next day that read, movie producer shot, but that evening the headline had been removed so it was fake news it was literally it was like it got it was like up for like a little bit 
and then it got removed for the evening edition and replaced with a headline that said heart disease proves fatal for screen magnet after sudden attack at yacht party. Now, I could not find any evidence that this movie producer shot headline actually existed. That was probably a rumor. Like, right. I don't think it, that headline actually existed. Although you never know what can get buried by rich people involved. But I couldn't find any evidence of that. So where the fuck did this rumor that Thomas Ince was shot by William Hurst get start from? Yeah. Where did it get started from? Well, apparently actress Eleanor Boardman claimed that she heard from Charlie Chaplin's assistant... Who was a man? <laughs> I mean, this is like the most ridiculous game of telephone of all time. Yeah. How this thing gets started. Uh, a man named Tarachi Kono, he saw the body of Thomas Ince being removed from the yacht with a bullet in his head. Now, according to this theory, it was Tarachi who then told others in the Japanese community in Los Angeles, and this rumor would have allegedly been of interest to members of uh, the Japanese community in Los Angeles because at that time Thomas Ince was pretty big in that community because he had made two major films that starred Japanese actors so that's just what they say like the reason that like how like oh it spread like wildfire and then that they told other people and whatever so That's the theory of how the story spread. The rumor mill alleged that the gossip columnist Luella Parsons was also aboard the Oneida that weekend and that her high-paying job with Hearst was actually hush money. Okay. But the truth is Luella was not on board. She was in New York at the time, and she had also signed a contract as editor of New York American, which was the Hearst paper, um, actually a year before his death. So that wasn't like... The the reason why. Yes. Uh Uh-huh. Now, the funeral for Thomas was reported in uh, the L.A. Times and was said to have been an open casket, which is adds to another thing of, like, trying to debunk this. He was shot because it was open casket. But I don't know. I feel like you could... Cover hide, it up? You could cover it up unless, like, his entire face was blown off. Yeah. But if it was, like, just, like, one bullet wound... And you could put a hat on him? You could put a hat on him. Yeah. Even, yeah. Okay. He wanted to wear a hat. I mean, it's certainly more exciting... To be murdered than to die of a heart attack. It was indigestion. He had diarrhea and then had a heart attack from diarrhea. Because it was so extreme. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Look, that is like the exact opposite way I want to go. Is from diarrhea. No, I don't think anyone wants to die that way. No. Unless it's from a really good last meal. That's true. I mean, I don't know. We'll think about it. (laughs) Now there's so much to make a decision right now. So much to think about after you just said that. Okay. Okay. So at the funeral was Charlie Chaplin, Marion Davies, Samuel Goldwyn, and Mary Pickford, among others. Notably absent from the funeral was William Hurst, but he was like, I'm not a funeral guy. Yeah. I don't go to funerals. Okay. Uh, Thomas was cremated shortly after. And of course, him being cremated Another, caused so much yeah. gossip and suspicion. This is a quote from Nell Ince, Thomas's wife. We had both wanted and promised each other that we would have a very simple service and cremation. Did we not have the right to do what we wanted to do in this personal decision? That decision was not made after Tom's death, but we had made us, but had been made between us long before. Um, so basically, she's like, "Grow up, bitches." Yeah, she's yeah. telling everyone to like leave her alone. Shut Good. up. We wanted to be cremated. We wanted him to. Be it's cre- not exactly an unusual choice. She literally <laughs> goes on to say that she's like, "Don't people." cremate people all the time like get a grip yeah so the body of thomas ince um 
w- was actually examined before the cremation. So, like, yeah. that you know, uh, and they, the doctor, this guy named Dr. Day, he found no evidence that there was any foul play. Now, the rumors were prevalent enough that the San Diego DA opened an inquiry into the death of Thomas Ince. Like, they were not looking at hard evidence. They were like, okay, enough people are talking about this. But it was more to just be like, hey, you guys are wrong, so we're going to just clear this up once and for all. I mean, probably, because, like, they opened it, like, on December 10th, 1924, and then, like, I read the newspaper article for December 11th, 1924, and it was, like, inquiry closed. Yeah. (laughs) Like they opened it for like half a day and yeah. they're like, this is fucking stupid. Right. So they opened an inquiry. Thomas's wife, Nell, asserted that there was absolutely no reason for this inquiry. In fact, her husband had a history of health issues and they were not widely known. And I read up on his health issues and like he did yeah. have like some ulcers and stomach problems and stuff. Now, Dr. Goodman issued a formal statement in which he recounted the events of the weekend. He also said that Thomas told him that he had been sick like this before and that he'd probably be okay. Dr. Goodman also said that he had no knowledge of Thomas consuming any alcohol that night. Dr. Goodman was the only person aboard the boat who was formally interviewed. The investigation was dropped as there was no evidence to suggest that Thomas Ince had died from anything other than heart failure. Now, many think it's skeptical that the doctor was the only one questioned by the DA, and it certainly added fuel to the fire that this was the result of foul play, his death, and many people speculated that Hearst paid for the investigation to be dropped. However, the yacht was overflowing with booze, and like I said before, this was during Prohibition era, so it's also speculated, and probably, I mean, this makes sense, like, that the investigation was dropped simply because Hearst did not want to be found out about all the alcohol. He did not want to get in trouble for that, so nothing to do with Thomas Ince's death at all. Now, D.W. Griffith remarked in later years, quote, all you have to do to make Hearst turn white as a ghost is to mention Ince's name. There's plenty wrong there, but Hearst is too big to touch. Mm. I mean, but D.W. Griffith is also a piece of shit. Right. Right. (laughs) We're going to take that with a grain of salt. But that's like the big quote that like people who are like conspiracy theorists about this. they jump on. Right. I mean, I don't know. Maybe he just is like upset that like his friend died on his yacht. Yeah. Or just doesn't want to deal with it. Or doesn't want to, yeah. Like, it could be a million things. So, Charlie Chaplin also later denied ever being on the boat, but Charlie Chaplin's kind of a wild guy. Like, I don't know. I gotta read his bi- like biography. Yeah. I heard it's insane. Okay. Okay, so, now, the 1996 novel Murder at San Simeon was written by none other than Patty Hearst. Oh. And she basically like goes full force with this rumor with like what's known as like the gospel surrounding Thomas and so he was like murdered by William Hurst and she writes this like dramatized version of it. Okay. Um, that's nowhere based in reality, but it's literally about Thomas Ince and her grandfather okay. on the yacht. And in 1997, Steve Paris debuted his play, The Cat's Meow, which was based heavily on the fictionalized version of the events. And then in 2001, like I said before, the movie starring Carrie Elwes as Thomas Ince came out. And yeah, I haven't seen the movie, but it looks good. I want to see it. I'll probably watch it soon. Okay. And yeah, that's the story of, of Thomas Ince. 
cool. Very interesting. <laughs> Very interesting. I think it's wild that that rumor started because it's so different than the reality. Like, there's not even like any way you can possibly mistake those two d- types I of know. deaths. Like, I know, and I think it's. So the other thing, like the this book, this guy who wrote this very well researched book about his life is like he basically takes like the the entire foreword of this book is him basically being like, all right, all right, we're gonna fucking talk about the fucking rumor. It didn't happen. It's not true. This is what the rumor is. He's mad about it. He's mad about it. Yeah. And then like he's like, okay, now we're gonna talk about the amazing life and career of Thomas (laughs) Inns, and we're never gonna mention that stupid rumor again. Wow. Like he was like really adamant that we get this shit cleared up out of the way. I mean, what a nerd. Well. Like, he has to understand why that would be the most interesting thing to talk about. But no. I know. And, like, I was, like... That's his, like, little life. Right. Like, like he fucking hates this. That's his thing. I mean, this book is very long, Desi. And it's very... And, like, I was trying to find some, like, juicy tidbits about Thomas Ince's life. And, like, it sounds like he was just, like, a regular guy, except that he had this, like, extraordinary career. And that really did overshadow his extraordinary career was this alleged scandal that was not a scandal at all. I'd rather be known for the scandal than for directing um, silent westerns. (laughs) Don't you think? I mean, it is more interesting. Yes. It is. That's not going to get you in Hollywood Babylon that you directed a western or a thing about a hat hat falling away. Right. Right. But yeah. Yeah, that's... He should be grateful. He should be grateful that he made it to an episode of Hollywood Crime Scene. Yeah. For no crime that happened whatsoever. <laughs> this might be the first episode we've done where no crime actually occurred. The rumored crime was enough. This is the rumored crime that we're getting out of the way. Hi. Hi. Hi, Tom- guys. Thomas Ince was not murdered by <laughs> William Randolph Hurst. He died of diarrhea. Okay. That's, well, that's a good That's the official on, story. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. Great. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having Bye. us here. Bye. 